Hello and welcome to Focused, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. Hey, David. How's it going? Great. And uh, I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris Bailey. Thank you for having it, long, long-time listener. Oh, that's great. Great to hear. Um, Chris is uh, an author of several books. Uh, the first one, you came on my radar, Chris, when you released the book called The Productivity Project. And I mm. thought this was just a great idea. You know, um, I, um, I don't read as many productivity books as Mike does. Uh, my wife reads even fewer. But when I read your Productivity Project book, I immediately bought a copy for her because it was just such a great overview and ideas. And gang, what Chris did was he turned himself into a science experiment. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> and uh, and he took every uh, good and wacky productivity idea and tried it out on himself and, and reported back. And he had that going on his website for many years. And then that turned into this book called The Productivity Project, which I thought was just, just an excellent book. And then uh, Chris just released a new book called Hyperfocus, and we named the show Focus. So how could we not have Chris on as our first guest after the rebrand, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. There, there's no, I would have been so offended yes. if I hadn't received this invite. So thank <laughs> you for not offending me. <laughs> well, I, I really think Chris takes a real sane approach to productivity. It's the kind of thing we're looking for and kind of shooting for with this show that, you know, we don't all have all the answers, but we really want to help people on the journey. And, um, and thanks for coming on the show, Chris. Oh, thank you. I, I do take issue with one thing that you mentioned, uh, and, and that's the, that note of sanity, uh, because, you know, you, you probably read about a few of the experiments I conducted. So it, you might have to run that one by my fiance uh, before getting the okay for that, because uh, she had to put up with a lot of stuff. She still does, you know, less than the days in the days of the productivity project. I'm just kind of hunkered down in my office with my loud clicky keyboard all day. Cherry browns over cherry blues of course of course you know <laughs> as as what one should do uh but yeah so she puts up with a bit less but that that notion of sane um you know i like to think i'm sane but maybe that's a sign that i'm not <laughs> well some of the experiments that you did in that book were pretty crazy so just as an example definitely go read the book i'm not going to give away everything but there's a lot of advice about how you need to work more, you need to work less. You basically took like all the extremes, tried them and then said, here's my findings. Yeah. So <laughs> I forget what the numbers were, but it was crazy. You you worked like 80 hour weeks and then you worked like 10 hour weeks and you compared like how much you're able to get done in each of those and you found the sweet spot and really yeah. just kind of dug in and became the guinea pig for all of the stuff that you hear people talk about. But you have like real numbers to share based on your own experience for basically everything that you might hear. Yes. And I think this is kind of a pitfall is is a lot of folks write and talk about productivity and they stand on their soapbox and they say, this is the five step solution with a trademark after the word solution that you need <laughs> to become more productive. Yeah. These people always put trademarks after everything for some reason. Um, you know, when I see a trademark, I usually turn the other way, except for getting things done. I, I feel that's a, that's a good framework where maybe he had to trademark it. But you know, I, I think this is where uh, often the best advice comes from is where you instead of saying everybody should work a 35 hour week uh, and using that as blanket productivity advice maybe instead say okay uh, the hours were not I, I worked 90 hours one week then 20 hours the next then 90 then 20 to see the difference that working these these insane hours and then these more 
luxurious hours uh, had on my productivity. And this is actually one of, one of the most surprising discoveries that I made over the course of the project was that when I looked at the actual logs after this experiment, I, I felt four and a half times more productive in the 90-hour weeks than I did in the 20-hour weeks. But when I looked beyond how busy I was to how much I actually accomplished... You know, we, we tend to look at how busy we are as a proxy for our productivity, but we, we could be busy all day long and not ac- accomplish a single thing of importance. And if that's the case, really, how productive are we? Uh, when I looked at how many research papers I read, how many interviews I conducted with uh, these productivity experts from around the world and the researchers, when I looked at how many words I wrote, so my output and how good it was, I, I came to the conclusion that... Uh, this is, you know, one of the most surprising discoveries, but I accomplished only a bit more working 90 hours a week than I did during 20 hours a week. And, and I thought, you know, what, what, what the hell is going on here? You know, what, what, what is true about this situation? And I realized, okay, I'm working with greater intention behind what I'm doing, which uh, I've come to uh, really firmly believe that intention is what lies at the core of productivity. It's not busyness. It's not how much we can automate, even though automation helps us work with intention. It's, it's how much we work with intention behind what we do. That's what lets us accomplish more. And I think that's why I accomplished so much in those 20-hour weeks is, you know, I had no choice but to become A, intentional, and B, focused about what I should be working on in the first place. Yeah, it's funny. I, this is kind of off topic what we're going to cover today, but just in my life today, uh, we're recording this at noon and at three thirty. there's a family thing that I have to go to. And I was just looking this morning at my, as I was going through my schedule for the day, I was like, I'm just going to have to get everything done that I would normally get done and be out of here by three thirty. And you know what? I probably will because <laughs> yeah. all, all the other stuff <laughs> is going to go away. Yep. I, I think yep. it's totally on topic. Like, when you shrink how, uh, long you give yourself for something, you have no choice but to expend more energy and more attention um, over that shorter distance of time so you can get that thing actually accomplished. It, it's like people people always say, I don't, oh, I don't have time to uh, grab coffee or I don't have time to cook for myself. I don't have time to meditate. But then the hot water heater breaks and suddenly you find 10 or 15 hours that week to fix the hot water heater while keeping up with your work demands, with your family demands. And sure, you're a bit more at capacity, but it's this classic Parkinson's law where, you know, and I'm sure a lot of the folks listening are, are familiar with it. If they're not familiar with the definition of the law, maybe they are with the effects of it. But it's this rule where our work tends to expand to fit how much time we have available for its completion. And so, you know, I think that was another reason why those 90 hour weeks were so unproductive is realistically, I probably had 40, 50 hours of work to do real work. And then beyond that point, that work began to expand. And it's never the important stuff that expands. It's always the the novel distractions. It's like we do we just check email repeatedly and just refresh Twitter and you know see oh one new tweet even though you follow five hundred people you know you stay on top of these things and uh, <laughs> I, I think that's the problem is the work can be so novel sometimes you you cover this in the hyper focus book the idea like when you finished your productivity project book you were in the throes of writing a book and all the work that it entails mm-hmm. and then you suddenly you turn in the book and you're done. And you find yourself 
uh, at a period of time where you don't have as much production going on. You don't have that high-end book writing going on. Yet you found yourself just as busy, and it surprised you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, of course, because, you know, we tend to look at how busy we are as a proxy for our productivity. If we're twice as busy, we feel twice as productive. And when we do knowledge work for a living, this is the difficult uh, the difficultest part, the most difficult part, uh, is measuring how productive we are. You know, how, how do we measure how productive we are when we do knowledge work for a living? You know, one person can write 400 lines of code and, over the course of a day and be twice as productive on paper as somebody who wrote 200 lines of code. But if those 400 lines of code had half of the amount of features and twice the amount of bugs, then were they really that productive after all? And uh, I actually wrote a, an essay for, for the New York Times about that particular, um, observation that I had after writing the book. And it it was a bit controversial. It was called Distracted. Uh, You should work harder. And it a lot of people off. Sorry, you might have to get, you might have some <laughs> editing work after. I apologize. But it, it upset a lot of people, especially, especially the people that don't want to confront these truths and, and do the work. But I think this is an uncomfortable truth that a lot of us need to confront is if you have time to check Twitter, unnecessarily. If you have time to check email repeatedly, if you find yourself doing a lot of water cooler chit chat, that's your work expanding. And so that means you have the room for your work to expand, assuming that you usually meet your deadlines and and ship things on time, as probably most of the people listening to a show about productivity do. You know, somebody who becomes, uh, who has that drive to become better. It's kind of an ironic thing, but usually we don't reflect on how good we're doing already because we see the problems about our work situation. We don't really realize how much we're already accomplishing. You're probably accomplishing a good amount Mount, but maybe your work is expanding a little bit because you work so efficiently when you do have a deadline. So it's something that, that we need to assess. Like, assess your busy work level. If it's high, maybe you could take on more projects. Maybe you can make your work more challenging. Maybe you have the room to mentor somebody. Maybe you can invest, invest in your training and, and upping your skills so that, you know, it's a cliche, but you can work a bit smarter instead of just harder because you can approach the projects that you're working on from the proper direction. And, and I, I think it's something that we don't consider enough as it relates to our focus because focus comes easy. Now, of course, when we have a deadline, when we have somebody like sitting over our shoulders saying, Chris, write this damn book. But when we have less structure, when we have more room for that expansion, it, it becomes a bit more difficult. Yeah, there's there's so much stuff in there. I, I want to just call out one thing specifically you said about not being busy and using that as the gauge for productivity. I know this is mm-hmm. something that I've fallen into myself where it's almost like you base how productive you were at the end of the day by how tired you feel. <laughs> because if you're really <laughs> tired, you must have really yeah. put in a lot of effort and you must have really made a dent in the things that you have to do. But that's yeah. really not the case. And your feelings can be misleading. And then also you said uh, you said that focus comes easy when you have a, a deadline, for example. And I think maybe that varies from person to person. But the principle mm-hmm. is definitely true that motivation can be manufactured. And if you find yourself in a life and death situation all of a sudden you have the motivation to do something and take action and save your life, regardless of how much willpower you have at that yeah, moment. Like the yeah, motivation exactly. can be on call if you know how to call on it. And it challenges me to 
think about the situations that I put myself in and how can I do mm. that without having to flip into panicked fight versus flight response. Yeah. Yeah, I love that first part. How do you measure your productivity? Like, and I think you know, if I look at the situation that I'm in um, for for some of the time, I would say I don't. I don't measure my productivity, and I, so I would wager a guess, extrapolating and generalizing across the entire audience of this podcast, that a lot of people would be in the same boat. But the truth is that we do measure our productivity, just not with a level of deliberateness that we should. Exactly. And so we we measure it, uh, how tired we are at the end of the day. If we're wiped, we oh we were probably productive. If uh, you know if we we were super busy and have an empty. E- email inbox. We feel productive because, hey, you know, we're on top of everything. But it's not about how much we produce. It's about how much we accomplish. Um, and, and so I think, you know, one of, one of my favorite tactics, and I've done this for years, I, I just keep it in like Apple's Notes app, is I have a list of all the big accomplishments that, that I've achieved since, let me scroll through accomplishments and milestones since 2012. And so this is a running list. It's the big accomplishments for the year. But I also keep a running list over the course of the month with the smaller, more granular items that, that I, that I achieved. Because, you know, th- this is another effect that, that are, that might be well known in productivity. So, you know, I, I feel this is kind of a, a weakness of my work right now is I'm so ensconced in this productivity world that I forget what people you know, where people are coming from. But but there's this classic uh, effect called the Zagartnik effect, which leads us to remember the incomplete projects that we're in the middle of significantly more than everything we've already achieved and accomplished. And so we we recall that basement closet that we really need to clean and have needed to clean for quite some time. Uh, and, and we forget about all the times we've cl- completed it in the past. We forget about a project the moment that we finish it, the moment we ship a book, the moment we publish a podcast, the moment we transition a show from focused, we forget about you know the free agent show the what what it was before we're always on to the next thing the next problem the next uh the, the next crisis that we need to solve and, and i think this combats this idea keeping this accomplishments list this is why we should be investing in our productivity it's not to be busy or to be less busy but it, it's to accomplish more because that's what we're left with at the end of the day and so this is it's a nice way of you know the very idea that we want to become more productive implies that we're not satisfied with how much we're already accomplishing. But we accomplish a crap ton of stuff, but we just forget about it the moment after we do. And so this allows us to kind of, you know, pat ourselves on the back a little bit and say, you know what, Mike, you know what, David, you know what, Chris, you're doing okay. You're accomplishing enough. You just don't remember it because of this stupid Zagartnik effect. Which is actually quite handy. <laughs> it's interesting because you know, like I keep a list of things I say no to. That's a whole different thing, you know, just to kind of oh, remind cool. myself as I take on new projects what good things I've already turned down. But uh, and I do a journal where I kind of journal things that I've accomplished, but I haven't done a list. I think that's a, a really great idea. That is a great idea, and I haven't done the formal list too. Hearing you talk about it, Chris, I think that's something that I definitely need to implement. But I did do when I. We've talked about the idea of the the personal retreat on on mm-hmm. free agents previously, and the very first time that I did it, I went away and I started thinking, and I was kind of depressed at the time because I was like, 
what did I really even accomplish this year? Exactly to what you're talking mm. about. Like, I forgot everything that I had done. So I just gave yeah. myself an hour and made a list of all of the mm. things that I was able to create and publish this year. And by the time I got done, I'm like, whoa, actually, I had a pretty awesome year. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And that's how we should feel. Like, yeah. that, that's why we should be part It's for that feeling of, of accomplishing a lot. And what, what helps me a lot, and, and it took kind of a, a little bit to to arrive at this point, but it's to look through your calendar and look at all the events you attend. Look at all if, if you schedule blocks of writing time. Look look through your blog to see what you published. Uh, look uh, look look at your email inbox. Look at your things. Uh, you know, I forget what it, what it's called. Kind of the log of yeah logbook of everything you've accomplished, and uh, yeah, the, really pat yourself on the back. We don't do that enough. This episode of Focused is brought to you by our friends at Hover, who are celebrating their 10-year anniversary this January. With Hover, you can find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. In fact, whenever I get an idea for a side project, one of the first things that I do is I go to Hover to make sure that the domain that I want is available. For example, Faith-Based Productivity is a new project of mine, but I've owned faithbasedproductivity.com for years. The great thing about Hover and the reason that I recommend it so often is that they allow you to keep your domains separate from your hosting, so you never have to get stuck with a hosting service that doesn't meet your needs. But let me tell you a few more things that are great about Hover. Number one, there's no upsells and Hover offers a clean user interface. Second, Hover Connect is a feature that allows you to connect your domain name to many website builders with just a few simple clicks. In fact, just the other day, I helped someone connect their Hover domain to their Squarespace site, and they couldn't believe how easy it was to do so. So I mentioned that Hover is celebrating their 10-year anniversary this January, and they're putting out some awesome promotions from January 16th to January 30th. Some of the things they'll be doing, including .com domains for $10, $10 domains for email, $10 domain transfers, and even some 99-cent domains. So keep watch on the Hover website or social media to see when these offers go live. Go to hover.com slash 10 years to find out more. That's hover.com slash one zero years. Thank you to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. I, you know, you were talking about productivity and I want you, I want to talk about your definition of productivity because I really like it. But before we do that, um, going back kind of the beginning, you were talking about lines of code as a measure of productivity. There's a really <laughs> famous story about Bill Atkinson. He was one of the original Apple programmers. He's the guy who wrote Mac paint. I mean, this goes way back. And, um, Apple was a bunch of, especially the Mac team was a bunch of pirates when they first started. But at some point they got, uh, you know, human resources management and things started getting corporate, you know, quote unquote. And at some point somebody uh, decided they wanted every Apple programmer to report in every week with the number of lines of code they wrote. Exactly the issue mm. Chris is talking about. And Bill Atkinson was just this wizard of programming and he, uh, so like one week he figured out a way to reduce the code to run, I think, MacWrite or MacPaint by like 10,000 lines. So he turned in his report as negative 10,000. <laughs> you know, and according to the, uh, the powers that be, that was not a very productive week. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> it actually was. Well, yeah, wow. you, you know, if Abraham Lincoln came to you and said, oh, I wrote 272 words today, you'd say, 
Oh, good job, Abraham. Very, very nice. Well, and he said, "Oh, it's called the Gettysburg Address." Sure, and it's very short, but I feel, it might, <laughs> I feel you. You might have the same reaction. Well, you see, I have this adverse reaction to the whole kind of productivity racket, which makes me a very strange person to be making a pod- podcast about it. But, but one of, one of the very first things you wrote in Hyperfocus was your definition of productivity. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, accomplishing what we intend to do. Yes, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and for so many people, it's not, you know, I mean, the, the subtitle of this show is that it's about more than cranking widgets. And I feel like, <laughs> you know, you are right on it, man. It's, it's, it, it, being productive isn't, you know, answering 10,000 emails. It's about making something awesome every day. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, what do you want to make? What, what do you want to accomplish? There are, some, there are a lot of days, and I realized at the beginning of this year, like, wow, I, I was way too uh, busy last year. It, you know, I was busy making money, busy traveling, do, doing all this stuff. But it, it, it kind of made me uncomfortable because I had less time to reflect than I, I normally would. And, you know, of course, it's that reflection, that scattering of our attention that gives us so many ideas. And so I, I thought, okay, my, my intention this year, my, my frame for this year is going to be more self-love. I, I think that's a word that's thrown a lot uh, around a lot, kind of like productivity. But it, it's going to be just being kind to myself. I'm going to make a list every day of a few ways to do that because I was way too busy. I, I checked and I had, I think, 45 flights in the last two months of last year just touring around for the book and doing talks at various places. And it, it, it was too much. And so, you know, my intention is very much that self-care. The, the other day, here's a good example. <laughs> have you seen the show The Good Place on NBC? I have not. I've heard of it. My, my kids David, watch David. it religiously, but I, I don't watch a lot so, of TV. So, yeah. Me, me either. Yeah. But, but I thought, okay, what, one of these things, I'm going to try binge watching a show. And so I formed an intention to, to binge watch this show and order some food and things like that. And, and I did. And so I actually watched 19 episodes of this show in one day. I, I think that's, you know, I'm very productive at being unproductive. But that was my <laughs> intention. And so I, I would argue, I would make the case and maybe, uh, you know, some therapists might, might call this like uh, justification or, or whatever the word is, but I would make the case that that day I was perfectly productive because I set an intention, I accomplished that intention, and so what more could I want to do than what I wanted to do? And, and you know, it becomes a kind of a circular loop after that point. And so when we set these intentions at the beginning of the day, when we choose what we do, that's what we need to measure our productivity against. Our, our intentions are the be- are the ruler stick that we should be measuring our productivity against, not how busy we are, not, nothing else like that. But on the other hand, if our intention, like my intention today was, was to write 1,500 words, was to learn more about logic for a podcast that I'm creating, and those were the two big intentions that I set for the day uh, and have fun in a couple of interviews today as well. And so far, so good. And it looks like I'm on track to achieve that. And so if I do, I would make the argument to myself and to everybody else that I was perfectly productive today as well. And so, you know, one day watching 19 episodes, it's a 22 minute show, just FYI. So it's not as bad as it sounds on the surface, but it's still pretty (laughs) bad. Uh, You know, day A, watching 19 episodes of The Good Place and day B, uh, writing 1500 words and learning a new software program while doing interviews. Uh, they be, you know, both days were busy, but 
I think both days were productive because it begins and ends with that intention. I love that the very first guest we have on Focus talks about productivity as binge watching 19 episodes of TV. <laughs> I think I that's would challenge somebody to top that. <laughs> it, it, oh, the good. Well, I, I like the example because David and I kind of talked about that in the last episode. I feel like you articulated it way better than I did, which was just that being productive is being intentional with how you are spending your time, your attention, your energy. Yeah. If you decide that this is the thing I want to do, and that thing is watching multiple hours of Netflix, then <laughs> watching Netflix is not unproductive. But it's the yeah. fact that you default to Netflix because you're tired, because you've been mm -hmm. living in this state of, I got to do one more thing. I got to crank out one more widget. I got to do, we got to write 100 more words, whatever. And you're focused on the wrong output. And yeah. that then you get to the end of the day and you, you've been busy and you feel like maybe you were productive, but you just are exhausted and you no longer have the, the mental resources to direct your attention and intention to the place that it should be going. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you, you end up, quote unquote, wasting that, that time. But yeah. if, you, if you decide this is the thing for me to do right now, then whatever that thing is, it's perfectly okay and it's perfectly productive. Exactly. And I would actually make the the wager, and I, I talk about binge-watching Netflix in the book a little bit, because it's something that everybody does, but we all feel guilty about it when we shouldn't. Because if we do it with intention, that guilt will evaporate. When we do anything with intention, uh, that, that guilt, so maybe not like commit a serious crime, but, but when, when we do, you know, most things with intention, that guilt evaporates because guilt is really, you know, this, this doubt about what we're doing and, and whether we're spending our time, our, our attention, our energy, uh, in the best possible place. And so when we eliminate that lack of certainty, there's this confidence that follows us regardless of what we happen to be doing. And, and so I would make the bet that when you feel bad about binge watching something about how you spent your time, uh, you know, you're probably not living in accordance with your values, but there's probably also a lack of intention behind what you're doing in the first place. So it's, it's kind of a cure. Guilt is so, I find it to be such a fascinating and informative emotion. Um, because usually when we experience guilt, we're also not doing whatever we're doing with intent. And it's something that I think a lot about because there's this guilt of not working, of just, you know, resting and letting our mind wander that uh, I make the argument in the book that it lets us become more productive and intentional overall. But we do have to combat that feeling uh, every once in a while. Yeah, something we haven't mentioned yet is this book is called Hyperfocus. And uh, I started reading the book thinking it was all about hyperfocus, how to get to your, yourself to that space where you can focus on getting the client presentation or writing the song or doing the book or whatever. But about halfway through, Chris pulls one on us and says, well, guess what? Very tricksy. <laughs> you also yeah. need to be able to let go of hyper-focus. He calls it scatter-focus. Excuse me, I'm getting over cold. So, um, but the, um, Oh, man. And I've heard, you know, I've, I've, I, I love the idea of those things being two sides of the same coin, that, that not only do you have this, this, laser focus or hyper focus that you can bring to bear but you also have the ability to give yourself space and to step back and let your mind you know just kind of go free range a bit and let you be creative and i think both of those things are essential pieces for anyone who wants to get better at this stuff 
Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, there was one of the experiments I conducted in writing this book was uh, purposefully making myself bored for one month. And and so for one month, uh, each day I did something for an hour that were suggested by the readers of my website to to purposefully make myself bored. So day day one, I think I read the iTunes terms and conditions um, for for an which are actually shorter. Well, (laughs) you know, I'm not a lawyer, so but but it's not like uh, legally. So I actually understood, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I actually got through it uh, a couple of times because it's easier to read than you might think, especially when it's printed off on paper, so you can't really stimulate yourself with other distractions. I, I waited on hold with Air Canada's baggage claims department for an hour. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> another day, I uh, plucked the, the seeds from a strawberry. Uh, another day, I counted all the zeros in the first 10,000 digits of pi. I think I made it a third halfway through. That, that one was tougher. To, I just concentrate on this boring, tedious activity. But, but I noticed... <laughs> For some reason, like uh, after about eight days uh, of doing this experiment, after about a week, uh, that a few curious things began to happen. Uh, You know, first of all, I had more ideas coming to me. Uh, Second of all, I had more energy to to pursue those uh, ideas. And third, I, I had more plans for the future. And I started doing some digging and doing some research into why this is the case. And over the course of doing this, and this is why I pull a fast one on you when when you're reading the book, you know, you think it's a book about focus, but it's actually a book about unfocusing too and how to do that more uh, in a way that's more conducive to getting more ideas and becoming more planning about planful about the future. So the the research about where our mind wanders to is some of the most fascinating stuff that I encountered over the course of writing this book. There, there are two researchers, Jonathan Smallwood and Jonathan Schooler, I think at, at both at UC Irvine, that look at where our mind wanders to. So they do ramble, uh, random um, thought probes with, with their participants. And they found that when our mind is wandering, it wanders to the past about 12% of the time, which it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good amount, but it's less than we might think. Um, our, our mind, though, wanders to the present 28% of the time. So this is when we're working on something and our mind wanders, and it wanders to think about alternative approaches to an email that we're writing, to, um, to a, a problem that we're facing with a colleague. But the fascinating thing about this mode is that our mind wanders to think about the future more than the past and the present combined. It, it, it thinks about the future about 48% of the time when our mind is wandering. So w- most of us just experience this when we're taking a shower. So we're taking a shower and then uh, the, out of the, the, the ether, a few of these insight triggers hit us. And it, this, this beautiful insight that we've been tackling all afternoon for maybe if we're learning logic, maybe we think about the thing that we were learning in the course and then connect that to the problem that we were facing. And then the idea hits us for how we should proceed. Um, you know, we think about the future half of the time. And this is why so many ideas come to us in the shower. This is why so many plans come to us in the shower. Because when we bounce around between the past to the present to the future to the present to the past to the present, this allows us to connect the constellations of ideas that are swirling around in our mind. And and so I call this deliberate um, mind-wandering mode scatter focus because it's easier to say than 
mentioning deliberate mind wandering every single time. But uh, I make the argument in the book, and I think this is backed up enough by research um, to follow through on this argument, that the most creative mode of our mind is this mode scatter focus. Because it's when we get our ideas, it's when we get our plans, uh, and it's when we rest because we replenish how much mental energy we have when we don't have to force ourselves to focus on anything in particular. And because we bounce around between the past to the present to the future in this mode, um, you know, whatever it is that gets us into this mode, you know, CGB Grey plays the truck simulation game. Some people like the sauna. Some people, you know, Stephen Hackett might look at some old Macs. Uh, you, you know, wh- whatever it is, <laughs> you like the Relay FM reference? I've been like a closeted, <laughs> I like, like uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, for some reason, I, uh, my, pa- my like books have never crossed paths with Relay FM, but looking through my podcast client right now, I got like upgrades in here, the talk show, which isn't, Relay FM, but Mac Power Users, Connected, Automators, ATP, Cortex, like the list, the list goes on. Well, but, well now but, this dreams have crossed, man. You're in. Man, this, <laughs> it's like my life coming full circle on me, and it, it, I don't know how to handle myself. But, but I, I think that the key is that, you know, whatever it is that you do, I, I'm a big fan of knitting uh, to let my mind wander, but take an extra long shower, take a bath instead of a shower, um, go on a walk without your phone because these ideas will come to you and uh, you'll probably be surprised at how many there are. Yeah. I want to, I want to touch on something real quickly here because I think it can get lost maybe in what you just said, but scatter focus is different than the boredom that you were describing Uh, earlier because scatter focus coming back to the intentionality and how we're going to spend our time. This is focused creative mode, focused, uh, you mentioned chapter six, basically, your brain's hidden creative mode. So that's really what this is. Yeah. But when you apply it intentionally, it does a couple of positive things and it alleviates the boredom, which you kind of define as unwanted scatter focus. And that's the thing that causes you to look for the distractions. And that's the thing that makes us anxious. But when we intentionally switch over into scatter focus mode and we Mm-hmm. purpose to let our brain noodle on connecting these dots for us then we don't have to deal with that stuff but most people never intentionally make that switch you share some stats in the book you mentioned that 83 percent of americans don't spend any time relaxing or thinking and that's really what scatter focus <sighs> is yeah so if you don't let your brain take a break eventually your brain says i'm taking a break <laughs> and it looks for those <laughs> yeah. looks for those distractions you. yeah exactly yeah and, and yeah, then you no, find no. yourself in front of netflix for 12 hours you know exactly <laughs> yep. yeah exactly yeah in, in an unintentional way yeah yeah i i think i think that is a critical um kind of distinction is boredom is unwanted scatter focus for sure you know i, I do not condone well if you want to give it a shot and let me know how it goes i feel that nobody uh, listening will take me up on this offer but if you want to you know read the itunes terms and conditions and count the digits of pi you know feel feel free to do so but but you don't need to and and in fact when you look at something fun what when you're when you're scattering your attention when you do something you find enjoyable this actually leads to a greater number of creative insights um and, and it's because you know more dopamine's coursing through your brain your brain is just is it's simply more active in what you're doing and, and so that allows you to to kind of form more more deeper connections and I, I think that's a critical thing do something fun and habitual that doesn't consume your full attention 
because your mind will wander and because you're doing something fun that'll anchor you to the present moment to, until you're finished with um, with a few rows of the knitting pattern, for example, um, b- because you'll actually enjoy that scatter focus time instead of it being unwanted. I've had some of my best ideas while washing the dinner dishes, you know, and um, mm. uh, it, I think that's so true. And I think you're uh, the two things you point out in this book is how little we're or how bad we are in a lot of terms at focusing on the hyper focusing. And how we've mm-hmm. kind of, I, I feel like we've kind of stigmatized the idea of letting your mind wander, even though we do it all the time, but without intention. Everyone likes to save time, but it's especially important when you are a freelancer or you're trying to find time to focus on the things that are really important to you. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their super simple cloud accounting software for freelancers. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. There's a couple things I really like about FreshBooks. Number one, the new notification center kind of is like your personal assistant because you always know what's changed in your business since you last logged in, and it shows you what needs to be dealt with pronto. FreshBooks also automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing those payments and more time working your magic. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash focused and enter the word focused in the how did you hear about us section. That's focused with one S. So once again, go to freshbooks.com slash focused and enter focused in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. I'm curious, Chris, do you have how do you balance these two on a day to day basis? Do you just kind of do things that you feel like you should be doing at the moment? Do you do you like block off yeah. time on your calendar for X number of hours of hyperfocus, X number of hours of scatter focus, or what's the balance like? Yeah, the, the, I feel like kind of carving out time is advice that sounds good, but that once you actually experiment with, with it, it, you know, it kind of falls apart. And that's exactly what I found it over the course of writing the book. I, I was writing all this advice. Okay, we should uh, schedule one, two hours of scatter focus time every day. Um, and I realized, okay, this isn't something I'm following myself. Does this actually work in practice? I tried to do it, and it was very hard to keep up with. Um, so I, 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 I'm really convinced that making just small little tweaks to, to our day to get little moments of scatter focus. So whenever I travel, I make sure I get a, a, a hotel room that has a bathtub inside of it. Because, you know, that, that's one of my favorite ways of, of relaxing and unwinding. I, I've got my uh, Bluetooth speaker in there. I put on, uh, usually not a podcast, but some classical music. I'll relax, I'll unwind. I'll, you know, maybe they'll give one of those like house coats because it's like a nice hotel. And just let my mind wander over the course of, of that 
that session. And so little habits like that. Whenever I walk to get a tea at the Tim Hortons, because I live up here in Canada, um, whenever I walk to get a tea, I don't have my phone with me. Instead, I just carry a notepad with me. Uh, I make sure I, I knit every single day because it's it's a cool habit that, that I love doing because you get something to hold in your hands after it's done. But, it, you know, it also lets my mind wander a little bit. I, I don't check email until... Um, until around nine or ten in the morning. The, today I made it to ten thirty, um, w- which is a new record for this week. And um, and so just simple little habits like these um, that that you could work into your day. How do you enjoy scattering your attention? Do you like taking showers? Do you like taking baths? Do you like washing the dishes? Do you find that to be kind of a soothing, um, rhythmic thing to do with your hands? And, and um, I, I think that's a good place to start is, you know, Schedule it if you want, but but I think that might not work for you. What what might work a bit better is finding these little moments to create little little air pockets in our day that we can just breathe. You know, our, our attention can wander a bit. We can just rest up and uh, and think. We don't think enough. We do too much. We don't think enough. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. I've kind of the key tenet of my personal retreat thing that I do is that I take a day once a quarter because I like to follow the 12-week year framework and set my goals for the quarter and then I either hit them or I don't. If you don't, then it gives you a chance to restart. If you if you hit them, then you don't have to wait till the end of the year and scramble month 11 to accomplish them, like you move on to something else. But a key yeah. piece of that is setting aside, in my case, an entire day just to think. And it's amazing to me how much clarity comes when you ask the right questions of yourself Mm. and then you let your brain untie them. So the three questions, and we've mentioned this on on the podcast, three questions I like are, what should I start doing? What should I stop doing? What should I keep doing? And my experience, and it's probably the same thing with whatever sort of guiding questions you would choose to use for your thinking time. But at first, you get a whole bunch of things. And then you're like, okay, that's pretty good. I'm going to go implement this. The real trick is pushing past that and just letting your brain think on it because there's a whole other level that it eventually gets to if you give it enough time to Mm. just think. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is becoming less stimulated. You know, and this is is something that you know, was one of the more surprising findings is, is we're so, so hard on ourselves whenever we get distracted. But I, I make the argument that it's not our fault that we're as distracted as we are today. Because th- there's this mechanism in our mind, it's, uh, I don't understand it completely. I, I'm, you know, I'm a productivity guy, not a neuroscientist, but I talked to a, a few neuroscientists over the course of writing the book to try to do so. And th- there's this mechanism in our brain's prefrontal cortex uh, called the novelty bias, where for each time we focus on something that's new and novel, our brain rewards us with a hit of dopamine, the, one of the main pleasure chemicals of our body, uh, each time we do so. So we go over to Instagram, we get a hit of dopamine. We check Twitter, we get a hit of dopamine. We go um, listen to a podcast, we get a hit of dopamine. We we go talk to somebody in person, we get a hit of dopamine. We check Reddit, we get a hit of dopamine. And so we find ourselves bouncing around between a loop of the same apps. We find ourselves... Um, you know, in these dopamine fueled feedback loops. And, and so it, it's so 
easy to fall victim to distraction for this reason. So if you're doing kind of kind of one of these these uh, think breaks, as Bill Gates does, one of these thinking retreats, just to process ideas, uh, I would give that advice: is make sure that what environment you're inside of is less novel than than what you're in regularly, because you know it, it'll take a bit to adjust downward into that state of lower stimulation. About a week, uh, studies show, but you know you you begin to adjust right away, and once you do. You become more thoughtful. You become more deliberate. You become less reactive about how you manage your attention. And so you get out in front of that impulse uh, for distraction, which I think is, is really important. The, D- David, do you know, you know, is this something that's expensable if somebody has a business, one of these think breaks? Uh, I, I would hope so. I don't know. Talk to your accountant. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it's funny. Oh, I guess you're a lawyer, not no, an no, accountant. I, I, yeah, I, I don't deal with the sevens and the threes, but the, um, yeah, <laughs> but but something that I uh, I do think about, you know, reading this in your book and and having looked at this topic before is the problem, and, and I do want to get to the topic of digital detox here in a minute. Uh, I feel like the problem yeah. with jumping between these things is very similar to the idea of eating empty calories. To me, you know, um, you guys were talking about earlier how you get to the end of the day and you're exhausted as a measure of productivity, and and I think for a lot of people, uh, probably yourselves included. Um, uh, getting to the end of the day and feeling exhausted is probably a sign of eating a lot of empty productivity calories, not so much getting work done. Because <laughs> I always feel energized when I have a plan and I stick to it and I get to the end of the day and it's done. But but yeah. but I, I think, you know, this whole idea on both sides of your coin, Chris, both the hyper-focus and scatter-focus, um, being able to disconnect from those distractions is one of the key premises of your book that I took away. Yeah. And we don't spend enough time um, not bouncing around between distractions. Uh, You know, look at, hmm, you know, I I think a helpful reflection is look at the last block, the last period of time that you were disconnected from the internet deliberately, maybe a period longer than six hours that wasn't a a plane ride somewhere. And, And you know, most of us don't fare too well in this. We're, we're constantly connected. We have our devices attached at our hip. We're going from screen to screen to screen to screen. And so our mind is always focusing on something and never really wandering. What, one of my favorite daily rituals for disconnecting and wandering every single day is to totally disconnect from the internet between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. And so I, I get to ease out of the day with with my fiance Arden and you know we get to have dinner maybe a glass or two of wine before we we unwind for the evening and go to bed and then when we wake up the first thing that we pull out isn't our phone it's you know we have a conversation with each other we we talk about what we want to accomplish that day we start and end the day on a slow note and, and i think this is something that we don't think about enough is is so often we equate productivity with speed but with with speed comes a lack of deliberateness and intention, and it often comes exhaustion and, and feeling burnt out at the end of the day. <laughs> and so, you know, I think one of the best ways to become more focused and more deliberate about how we manage our attention is slowing down. You know, we don't work slowly enough. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big, you know, maybe not speaking slowly, as you can tell, but writing slowly, I'm a big fan of because I find that when I write slower, I end up writing more words by the time the day is done. And the words that I wrote 
are something that I'm more proud of as, as opposed to if I hunkered down and just, uh, wrote, wrote nonstop. You know, the way I'm, I'm writing the, the way that I am today is, um, it is slowly one word at a time, really thinking about each sentence because you can't write backwards. You can only write forwards. And by doing so, you're able to think, uh, more thoughtfully about what you're doing. But I would make the argument that, our work is is the exact same way. You know, if we're so immersed in what we're doing that that we're exhausted by the end of the day, we're probably not working slowly enough that we notice that we shouldn't be working on certain things in the first place, or that we um, we we probably also gloss past the different elements of our day that are automatable that we could delegate to somebody else to do. Whether it's somebody on our team, whether it's a virtual virtual assistant, whether it's whether it's some you know uh, some shell script that we can program to do that job for us. And, and so you know, I think slowing down is one of the answers to this. Is and, and you know, but th- this novelty bias means that there's so much dopamine coursing through our brain that we. We feel restless when we uh, when we're not and surrounded by distraction. But I think that restlessness is a sign that you need to slow down. You know, if you sit on the couch without your phone and just a notepad, where does your mind go? What is the condition of your attentional space? Is it restless or is it thoughtful? Are you ready to reflect when you have that notepad in your hands? Or is your mind just looking for that next novel thing so that you can stay at that same level of stimulation? Man, that there's a really important point that you just kind of hit on regarding the things that you can automate or or delegate. But backing up just a little bit, uh, it occurs mm-hmm. to me that for a lot of people's situations, there's two pieces to productivity, and they are sometimes inversely related, which is efficiency and effectiveness. <laughs> and you were talking about slowing down to do your work. Uh, I really think that that's a a key principle people need to understand is that there are some things where efficiency is not the right answer because if you can do this thing faster than somebody else and you keep doing it every single day, but you could, if you put forth a little bit of effort, delegate this to somebody else and offload it so you didn't have to think about it anymore, how much more effective could you be with the other things that you have to do? Any tips for identifying where that line is for people? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, um, uh, you know, having a greater understanding of the second and third order consequences of doing anything is pretty critical there. So, for example, you know, you might answer an email and a first order consequence of that is that that issue gets solved and the, the effects don't really cascade beyond that point. But you might compare that action of answering an email to mentoring a new employee that just joined your team, where for every five minutes you spend with that employee, you deepen that relationship with the person. They're more connected to the work that you're, they're doing. They're able to work that much more efficiently because you have this bird's eye view of the work that they're doing and where should they, they should be spending their, their, their time, attention, and energy. And, and so I I think looking at the effects that cascade beyond just that first order consequence, you know, first order consequences, maybe they work a bit more efficiently. But a second order consequence might be that they become more involved with the work that they're doing. They they help other folks out on the team. That might become a third order consequence. They might, you know, feel more emotionally invested in what they're doing. Their customers might be happy if they're doing client facing work. And so I think looking at the actions on our plate and 
really thinking about the effects beyond just what what needs to get done. And I think this is a, a major um, downside uh, of an app like Things. I, I haven't used OmniFocus too much because every time I look at it, I, I get scared. But for for Things, you know, th- I think this is a downside of it is it doesn't tell you what's important. Everything on that list has the same amount of importance. You might think one project's more important than another, but it doesn't tell you what produces the greater consequences beyond just the immediate term. And and so I I would look at, you know, here's an activity that I think everybody on the planet should do. And just to, to determine your focus in general is Make and I've said this in a couple podcasts, so so forgive me if you've already heard a podcast interview and have heard this, but I, I will repeat this activity till the cows come home because I think it's so important. And here it is: make a list of every single activity you do in your work over the course of a month, and you know get it all out onto a piece of paper in front of you. And once those are out of your head, ask yourself: if I could only do one thing on this list, day in day out, every single day, all day long, which one of these allows me to accomplish the most? Which one of these produces the most value for the organization? Which which one of these allows the team to move uh, their, their work forward the most? Then, then ask yourself, okay, if I can only do two things, what second most important activity do I have? Then what third most important activity do I have? And the fascinating thing is, regardless of industry, regardless of the level of work, there are usually about three, sometimes two, sometimes four central tasks that we're, we're responsible for that produce the significant portion of how much we accomplish. It's the classic uh, 80-20 rule in practice, where 20% of our tasks are responsible for 80% of what we accomplish. And once you have those three tasks, those are the ones that you should do slowly. Those are the ones that you should approach with uh, deliberateness and uh, disable the distractions around you because in the moment your brain is drawn to what's new and novel, which, you know, usually it's those distractions. It's email that's more new and novel than, than whatever those core tasks for you are. Uh, for, for me, mine are writing, speaking, um, and researching productivity. And, and so, you know, anything that isn't one of those things supports your work. It isn't central to your work, and so it should be delegated. It should be eliminated, or it should be cut from your work entirely if you have the, or automated. You know, that it's another great option. Um, but usually we can't cut these things. It's why we do them in the first place. But there is a different way that we can approach it, usually with uh, greater efficiency as opposed to greater deliberateness. Mm, I like that. So if I'm going to summarize that real quickly, I'd say be effective with the things that are most important, be efficient with everything else. With the yeah. exception, I would argue, because you made the point at the end of the productivity project that people are the reason for productivity. So do not try to be efficient in your dealings with people. Yeah, yeah you know, don't try to have a, a, an efficient conversation with your wife. Be effective, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think you should. And let's do that as an experiment just to see how that goes for you. All right. Honey, here's the agenda for this casual conversation. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, an award-winning template, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. 
There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I had someone come to me just the other day and ask for a quote for a website. They just needed something simple to show off some of the things that they had done with the new business that they were starting. And I pointed them to Squarespace because I knew Squarespace was going to meet their needs. They would be able to maintain it themselves. And the Squarespace support team would be there to help them if they got stuck. Now, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash free agents. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code free agents, all one word to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash free agents and the code free agents, all one word to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Another topic in your book that that I am, this has always been the third rail of podcasting for me. Uh, you talk quite a bit about meditation in your book. And I'll tell you, I started meditating in 1990. I've been doing it a mm-hmm. long time. I, I sit on the cushion every day. I don't talk about it much on the podcast because when I do, for a long time, I felt like it, it just got a lot of weird emails, you know, from people. But the um, so that's why you're asking me to talk about. Well, no, I'm kind of coming out a little bit. You know, I've talked about a little oh. bit on Mac Power Users, but but like uh, you know, when I read about people who need to have apps that that disable the internet on their computer, and um, I I just find that for me, focus has always been a lot easier than for a lot of other people that I've that I've encountered. And I absolutely yeah. have believed that's because I spend 30 minutes a day following my yeah. breath. And it's, and, um, your book gave me a lot of validation on that. So I really appreciated it. But the, uh, do, do you think, um, just kind of a tangential question for it. Do you think that, um, meditation is what makes you so into automation because you can see what needs to be automated in the first place? Uh, not really. I don't really see too much mm. of a connection. I mean, automation to me is the idea of, of just, cutting out it you know getting back to those top three things you know and, and getting yeah. rid of the nonsense but but the, the what meditation has given me is space like i will mm-hmm. see you know maybe somebody will write something bad about me you know it happens once in a while or just I'll, I'll, I'll deal with some frustration in my life and then the meditation practice allows you actually to unpack that in your brain to observe from kind of the outside and yeah. and it also allows you so that's the first benefit but the second benefit is i think it allows you to see where you're getting derailed not just on an emotional level but just on a day-to-day level i i don't have the same as much of a temptation as some people do and i i think it's because of that and then in your book you talked about um like these apps that help you you know, think better, you know, or, and, and basically, uh, your conclusion, train your mind. Yeah. Your conclusion was that they don't really work, but you said one thing did work and it was meditation. And boy, I feel like that my life, um, I have experienced that in my life and I feel like you're absolutely on the right, right track there. 
Yeah, and you know, meditation is is fascinating when you look at the research behind it too. And you know, this is an honest truth. I I don't meditate for spiritual reasons. I meditate because I find it allows me to accomplish more. (laughs) On days that I meditate, I write uh, on average about forty percent more words. And and the the research bears this out a a bit too. And um, I say a bit. I, I misspoke. It bears this out. Um, in a massive, massive way. And there, there's this idea that I, that I discuss in the book called attentional space, which is essentially just how much focus we have to give to the world around us in the moment. This is, this is our, our working memory capacity that we use to process the world around us on the fly. And the research shows that hardly anything increases this working memory capacity. It's, it's kind of like, the, I, I love being able to speak to a fellow nerdy audience. It's kind of like the RAM of our mind. N- not much can give us more mental RAM. Um, ha- investing in our happiness can. Um, it, it actually expands how much attention we have to give to the world around us in the moment because our, our mind is more active. It's the same reason that more ideas come to us when when our mind is wandering and we're doing something that we enjoy. But these brain training apps that say, oh, you know, improve your memory and, you know, look at this this uh, maze and try to guide this train over the tracks. And, you know, if this train leaves at 3 p.m. and this one leaves at 8 p.m. And th- th- those don't work. Those have been shown in, in study after study. I read one meta-analysis because it's much easier to read um, a, a few meta-analyses uh, of these types of topics um, that, than, you know, looking at all the nitty-gritty studies. But um, I read one meta-analysis that looked at tens of thousands of uh, participants, and they found that th- these apps did not work even when they were measuring the things that the, the apps were designed to increase, so the, the very um, specific parts of memory. The, these effects kind of evaporate after you stop using the app. But they did find that one thing does give us more attentional capacity in the moment. And that thing is meditation. Meditation increases our RAM by about 30%. So when we have an active meditation practice, and this, uh, this other study compared meditation to, to rituals like yoga and just taking breaks and doing nothing, they found that yoga doesn't give us more attention but meditation and mindfulness do. And, and I think um I, I think this is one of the most underrated ways of becoming more focused. Um it is to meditate because it allows us to check up more often on what uh, our attention is doing. It, we notice more often when we get distracted. You know, on average, it takes us about 25 minutes to resume working on a task when we get distracted from it. If we have a daily 30 minute meditation rituals uh, ritual and we notice just once that we're about to get distracted and we say no actually i'm going to resume focusing on this thing instead the ritual just paid for itself and that's not not counting for the the amount of med- or, or or attention we have to to give to the world around us because of that ritual too it 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 doesn't account for the way that the problems and challenges that we're going through roll off our back um, and, and don't stick to us instead. And, and it's like that negative email that you mentioned. You know, there, 10 people can receive that same email and each one of them will react to it differently. The person that meditates will react the best because, you know, they, they realize that 
you know, happiness is nothing more than coming to terms with how things change. And so they're able to realize, okay, you know, th- this person's opinion will change. Everybody has a different opinion. And so I'm not going to let this affect me as well. Um, and, and, you know, over the course of, of the last many, many years, I don't know if you've uh, attended any, any meditation retreats, but I find that it's after a retreat that I do my best writing after spending seven, uh, 10 days in total silence, just meditating all day, listening to a few talks about meditation, maybe a few about Buddhism as well. This is when I do my best work is, is when I'm so focused um, because of that. Have you done any retreats? Yeah, I have. And, and you know, the, the brain's like a wild horse and, and meditation allows you to kind of rein it in a bit. Yeah. And it really, um, it, it, like I said, the reason I don't talk about it too much is because every time I do, people are like, well, are you enlightened? I, I'm not trying to get enlightened. I'm just trying no. to figure out my own what's going on in my head. And uh, there's some great solutions. I feel like it's becoming more of something people are willing to do. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or Buddhist or atheist or whatever. This is a practice that can help you. And there's yeah. some there's some great apps for it now. Um, I recommended Headspace recently to a friend, and she has reported back. She's getting lots and lots of uh, benefit from it. So if you want help, oh, that's awesome. you, you, you know, I mean, I went to a meditation center to learn how to meditate, but now you can even start on your own. And um, I, yeah. was, I was really glad with the amount of space you gave to this in the book, because I, I've always felt like it's been one of my secret weapons over the years, and I'd love to, to see more people embrace it. Yeah, and the honest truth is that I wouldn't meditate if it didn't make me more productive, because it's half an hour every single day. And I think that's the benchmark that we should be measuring productivity strategies against is, do I make, for every minute I spend on this strategy or that strategy, do I make that time back and then some? Right, we have to, or else we're just consuming productivity advice that's entertaining. But you know, it's like here's Richard Branson's daily schedule. You know that that doesn't really make us behave differently. Um, we we need to earn that time back. And meditation, uh, I would make the the statement that for every minute you spend meditating, you make back three in how much more efficiently you're able to focus, in how much less distracted you become, in how you don't get uh, don't focus too much on certain things, uh, like that negative email, like any negative thing, your mind actually even wanders more often to the future when your mind is wandering, and less to the past, especially the distant past, where all these these uh, sometimes negative experiences and memories lie. And, and so these effects cascade uh, beyond just that one practice. It's really it's really quite beautiful. And uh, I'm the least hippie person, you know. That, actually, that's that's maybe not true. I, I you know I start I start my day off a lot of days with yoga, but but uh, I, I'm and not really toast. Too, and oh <laughs> yes, I sent Mike the 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 picture of my avocado toast maybe we could put it in the show notes this is like a um if you're ever feeling like bummed out about stuff this is something to reflect on when was the last time i had a piece of avocado toast because it's probably been a while if you eat avocado toast on a regular basis you know this even more so than meditation i read i read a study um it is correlated with life satisfaction no, i'm just making stuff up at this point but but it tastes very good and i have put guacamole instead of instead of avocado on top of the toast mm. pro tip okay. i mean i'm from california guys guacamole is our national food here <laughs> you know, it's the official yeah. food of california <laughs> yeah 
when I was a kid, we used it's to have so wars with with uh, avocado trees. Those were our hand grenades we threw at each other when I was five years old. Oh, that's old. amazing. Yeah. They you hurt. one of those extra ripe ones? <laughs> yeah, they hurt, man. They hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and they 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 get soft really quick. They they'll like explode on a person. Then you get that that hard shell as like a an aftershock. Yeah, that, the pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's no yeah. fun. That's no. Yeah, fun. Yeah, the pit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but no, I really do think this is something worth pursuing. I, I would say, in addition to all the other benefits Chris has said, you know, the fact is that you're carrying around this liar in your head all day that's giving you all this negative self talk. And and um, you know, I will admit to being a hippie and that the meditation doesn't actually allow you to address that person straight on, and that that's a nice benefit too. You get way, I think you get way more than three three minutes for everyone out of it. So. Oh, I'll probably, get off the soapbox, yeah. but there's some great stuff out there, and and I was really glad to to read that. Not only did you mention your book, you brought science in, and and um, I think this is something that people are going to start adopting more often. I hope so. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. It, Insight Timer is another great app that that I love that has guided meditations. Um, Headspace is another one. Um, I'm trying to think of other apps, but those those are the two ones that I've used that I highly Calm. highly recommend. Calm, yeah, that, that's another uh, incredible. Do you do you meditate, Mike? I forget. I am I'm not a very consistent <laughs> meditator, but I will <laughs> add. Uh, going back to the discussion, because you made an important point that it's not a religious practice, and that's a yeah. stigma that a lot of people have associated with it. I find that the definition that Headspace uses of mindfulness meditation maybe is a little bit more approachable for a lot of people who have some qualms about the idea of meditation because of the they have this this spiritual view of it really all it does is it helps you to focus your attention on the thing that you want to focus it on so it's not being pulled in a million different directions and uh, headspace is the one that that I use although I have to admit publicly here that I do not do it every day <laughs> I don't have the practice like you guys do uh, you know, and that's oh, all good. If you're out there and you try it the first time, you're going to go, Chris and Sparky are crazy. This is madness to sit here and try and not think about anything. Uh, yeah. But just hang in there. Just hang in there. You will see benefits. And, and another thing that would have helped me when I started meditating is for the first few years, I thought I was doing it wrong because you, you think, okay, I, I only have to focus on my breath. Um, okay, I'm doing that. My mind's wandering, but I'm bringing it back. Is this really all meditation is? <laughs> but but then you notice where your mind wanders to, and and you begin to you know what what makes meditations one of the most enjoyable parts of my day is approaching each meditation session with a genuine curiosity of where my mind is going to wander to that day. Because this is how I observe what's on my mind. This is how I observe you know what's stressing me out. What 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 I'm really worrying about what i'm excited about what what's tiring me out what's giving me energy what what people in my life i want to reflect a bit on and and just the state of my mind we we don't really look at the state of our mind even though our mind is what we use to make it through every moment of the day yeah it's like what is that rebellious organ between your ears going to do to you today (laughs) that's what that's what you start to feel after a while uh, another good another good resource, uh, which is more spiritual, but I, I think still a very good resource, is the Audio Dharma podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I would particularly recommend there's some introductory sessions in there by Gil Fronstel, who is a very kind man and just really walks you through it too. So that's that's another, and now it's a free one. So if you just want to try that, so uh, there's a lot of awesome. resources out there. And I didn't want to turn this into the uh, the the mindfulness meditation podcast, but. But you gave me such a great, you know, toehold, Chris, with the, the coverage of the book. 
I, I think this uh, honestly is something that you should be talking about because you know the name of the show is focused, and you know I've looked at I've actually looked at the research. I, I feel a lot of authors say, "Oh, I looked at all the research around this topic," and they read like two articles on Huffington Post. But I actually like du- I, like my fiance; she's doing her PhD here in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. So so she's like she's immersed in that academic world and so i can look at any study that she has access to and download it for free instead of paying 20 or 30 dollars now now that's that's probably going to get shut down now now that i have come out to doing so on the pod but <laughs> but like you know i've looked at the research i don't know if you've ever watched one of those crime shows where somebody's like solving a murder and they've got string attached to pictures attached to a map attached to to newspaper articles that was like the state of my office in writing this book and after looking at everything, um, you, you know, two of the, the main things that came out uh, over the course of that process was, A, our attention is very, very limited. We can only hold around, we used to think the number was seven or eight, but we can, now, now researchers are coming to the conclusion that we can only hold around three or four unique pieces of information in our mind at one time, whether we're writing, whether we're uh, having a conversation, whatever it is that we're doing. And very, very few things expand that number. Very few things allow us to process more in the moment. But meditation is one of them. And I will say this till my dying day, it's one of the best productivity practices that that you can have. And so I, I think, if anything, maybe people are already sick of hearing about meditation, but try it. Really do try it. Give it an honest shot for 14 days. Do it for 15 minutes for each of those. You can, you know, you have time to watch an episode of Friends for 14 days in a row. You probably have time for meditation too. And just observe, just notice how much you're able to accomplish, how uh, frequently you get distracted, how easy focus comes to you. And uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And my last word on it is it, it starts slow, but it it quickly accelerates the benefits. So, yeah. so, so I think that's the reason so many people can't get a regular practice because it's very hard at the beginning. Uh, somewhat related, you talked in your book about staying focused. You had a great idea that I'd like to share with the audience, and, and you called it the hourly awareness chime. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the hourly awareness chime, I, I don't have it set over the <laughs> right right now because yeah, I'm sure. doing the podcast, but but it's um it, it's one of the best ways to um increase your metacognition. So metacognition is just this thinking about thinking. It's it's checking up on where your mind is at. And so it's just the the tactic is this to set an hourly chime on your phone and when it goes off, ask am I distracted? Is my focus derailed? Am I focusing on something with intention behind what I'm doing? And maybe if you want to take it up a notch or two, set a, a couple cues in your environment just that let you notice what's in your attentional space. You know, when your phone rings at your office cubicle, um, when it rings, pick it up on the fourth ring after reflecting on, was I distracted? Was I working with intention? Was there deliberateness behind what I'm doing? And over time, this trains your mind into thinking in in patterns that are more uh, self-aware, where you begin to, to notice when you're distracted or when you're interrupted. And because, because it takes us on average 25 minutes to get back on track, when we do get distracted or interrupted, it's, uh, you know, it, it can often save us time that, that one, five, 10 second interruption that says, okay, 
Where, what am I thinking about? Do I need a break? You know, what am I focusing for too long? Is my attention becoming a bit fatigued? Um, you know, the, the best time to take a break is, is before you need one. And I, I use the example in the book is it's kind of like water where if you're feeling thirsty, you're already dehydrated. If you're feeling fatigued, you probably should have taken a break a half hour ago. And, and so, it's a great way of, of checking up on just the state of your mind. You know, pick a few questions that you enjoy asking. I, I, I'm not a fan of giving really uh, prescriptive advice, saying these are the five things you should do to get more done. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of encouraging people to, to reflect a bit and figuring out what their, own, uh, what their own kind of pain points with productivity are. But, you know, pick a few of those. If you get distracted all the time, <laughs> reflect on whether you're distracted when that chime goes off. And if you can, tame that distraction so you, you don't fall victim, victim to it as often. If you find that you're on autopilot mode so much of the time, ask yourself, am I working with intention behind what I'm doing when that chime goes off? You know, whatever it is, if you find that you're burnt out quite a bit and you use that to measure your productivity, ask, am I fatigued right now? Are fewer ideas coming to me? Am I thinking less about the future? Because maybe you can use that moment to think, okay, have I rested my attention lately? It's a simple ritual, but it's, it's remarkable in that simplicity. Well, well, you guys were talking earlier about how do you measure, you know, your success at remaining focused. And it's not necessarily that easy. And, uh, but this actually, mm-hmm. when I was reading this in the book, uh, my first meditation teacher, uh, I promised to get off the topic, but you know, <laughs> David, ba- you're in, upsetting a lot of people ba- right now. <laughs> back in 1990, one of the first things she taught me was, you know, because it, it is about mindfulness is about being mindful, not just when you're sitting on a cushion, but also as you go yeah. through your day. And one of the first things they, they taught me was when the telephone rings, stop for a minute and said, at the moment the telephone rang, was Mm. I focused on what I was doing? You know, was I writing a contract with my mind on the contract or was I writing a contract with my mind on a baseball game? You know, or was I eating a banana thinking about eating a banana or was eating a banana thinking about what I'm going to watch on TV that night? You know, and just taking that moment when the phone, because it's a great trigger, you know, because it's going to hit you when you least expect it, give you a chance to see was I truly focused at that time? And that is a habit I've never left. I, I mean, this, hmm. I've been doing it for many years now and, and it was supposed to be like an experiment, but it turned into a lifetime practice for me. The, the interesting for me is that because I don't get many calls, I, I've, I've managed to get the telephone out of my life to such an extent now that I actually use uh, phone notifications as the trigger. Hmm. Now, when a notification comes in, I'll say, you know, if Mike, sends me something on Slack that comes through, I'll say, hey... Uh, well, what's that sound, David? It's coming from your microphone. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, now Speaking I gotta do my... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I thought that was great, and I love seeing this stuff come around full circle, and it does give someone that's trying to get better at this stuff a way to grade themselves. Yeah, it, it, it's so satisfying to see this increase over time, too, because at least when I started, maybe uh, folks listening might be starting off on a better place. Uh, whenever I checked in, I was distracted. I, I, you know, I needed to recharge. I needed to reflect a bit more. I needed to 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 think instead of just do. And um, and over time, you see that measure increasing. You see your energy going up. And it never goes to 100 because we're human and get derailed by things and emergencies come up. But you see it increasing to 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 a level where it kind of levels off at a higher point. And you think, okay, 
I am more aware. I am more aware when I'm distracted now. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to, to come that far. Yeah, I think that self-awareness is really important. And one other thing I want to add, because you make this point in the book, and this was really important to me, uh, for anybody, I think, who works in a, who works with other people, there's a tendency to project blame onto everybody that's around you as they're the cause of my distractions. My boss came into my office, <laughs> asked me to do something, wasn't what I was planning to do today. So it just threw off my entire day. And I think that as you're checking in with yourself and you're asking yourself, am I distracted? It's also worth considering where did this distraction originate? Was it from myself mm. or was it from somebody else? Because a lot of times we can project that this came from somebody else, but we allow, we really take it, take ownership of it. And when we do that, you mentioned in the book that we get back to work six minutes sooner when we're interrupted by others compared to yeah. ourselves. So we, a lot of times are our own worst enemy and we just entertain these things longer than we, than we should. Yeah, the the, the qu a couple of quick stats around that. We're we're actually interrupted by other people as much as we interrupt ourselves, and it's about a fifty fifty breakdown. And it obviously depends on the kind of work that you do. If you're a manager, you you experience more external interruptions. I think it's around sixty forty. But yeah, they, on average, it takes us twenty five minutes to get back on track. But 29 minutes if that distraction is internal, and 22 minutes when we're distracted by something external. It, but, but of course, as we've been chatting about, there are ways to lower those numbers, you know, by practicing meta awareness, by having that hourly awareness chime and, um, and meditation. <laughs> Again, harping on the meditation, you know, drum, but it, it's, harping on it. Can you harp on a drum? But it, it, you know, it's such a wonderful, wonderful strategy for noticing what's on your mind. How often do you notice what's on your mind? Because what's on your mind so often is distraction. It's random thoughts that are unrelated to what you want to be doing. And so by checking up on that, it's, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful way of, uh, of uh, becoming uh, closer to, to your attention. And all this stuff is hard, and we all fail yeah. at it often. But I think if you're aware of it, you can really do a lot better. I'm failing at it right now, thinking back to that avocado toast. So well, it's it's difficult. It's a so, process. But well, since since we hang up here, you know what I'm going to do, right? Yeah, there better be pictures in in the show notes. <laughs> well, listen, I, I think uh, Chris, you've written a great book here. Uh, it's called Hyperfocus. I also recommend the Productivity Project. Um, Chris. Uh, recorded both of these books on Audible. So if you want to hear his dulcet tones, I uh, I would recommend it. I, I purchased them both on Audible. But with Hyperfocus, I enjoyed it so much. I actually bought the uh, the Kindle book as well. I wanted to go oh, through and you. highlight it. And the um, just some great stuff. We just barely scratched the surface here. But I think you're really, you're really on to something. And I, I hope some of the listeners are motivated to go check the book out and, and, and pick up a few of Chris's uh, ideas and practices and and make them work for themselves and, and hopefully get a little more focused. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is there anywhere else, Chris, that you'd like people to go to check out what you're doing and, hmm. and connect with you it's, online, social yeah. media? I mean, it sounds oh, weird man. asking someone who wrote a book on focus to promote a social <laughs> media channel, but... I'm on Twitter, the the most depressing social network right now. So I've, I rarely open Twitter because one, one of the things that I've uh, asked myself recently is how... How do the websites and the apps that I frequent make me feel? And some of them, you know, they make me pretty happy. The, you know, the Shortcuts app and what, what is it? Alto's Odyssey. 
it's a great uh, yep. it's a great app to uh, you know listen to podcasts with. But um, but Twitter really made me sad, so I got rid of it. But but I tweet very rarely off off of my desktop here at Chris underscore Bailey, and the the books are called Hyperfocus and the Productivity Project. Oh, oh my website, and you will be happy to know that I got rid of that that annoying newsletter pop up very recently. So massive improvement to the site. Uh, it's called a life of If you want to read what I write there. Well, thanks so much, Chris. And we are the Focused Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash focused. Uh, we've got a little uh, room on the side of the Mac Power Users uh, talk community. So if you go to talk.macpowerusers.com, there's a focused room in there and there's lots of great stuff going on there. On Twitter, we have a new Twitter handle gang with the new podcast. Hey. It is underscore focused FM. And uh, I'm David Sparks and Mike uh, Schmitz is with me here. Mike, what's your website? Mike Schmitz.me, and I'm on Twitter as at Bobblehead Joe. And I am at Max Barkey. So we'll see you all in a couple weeks. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. We're so pleased to have you on as our first guest under this new podcast. And, um, and everybody go check out his book. Awesome to be here. Thank you.